welcome back. I am uh, one of your hosts, Amy Jo MD, and I have the three lovely ladies with me, Dr. Chris. Hello. Dr. Nono. Hey. Dr. Sunshine. Hi, lovely people. So how is everyone? Good. Listen, I got something to say. I just want to say it right now because I've been pissed off all day. Oh, boy. What? what, what? (laughs) Okay. Let me prepare myself. What do you have to say, Amy (laughs) Jo? I love how she asks how everybody's doing, and then she's like, I'm pissed off. I got something to say. Right. I was actually (laughs) preparing for y'all right now because y'all taking too long to answer. I know. I'm going to tell you, I got something to say. It's when people do that to you at work. Like, hi, good morning. How are you? They're not really asking you. No. They're they're just saying good morning. Good morning. Let me tell you how I am. Um, Anybody watch the Sex in the City reboot? Oh, I did. And just like that? Mm-hmm. Yo, no, don't watch, watch any it. spoilers. I just started oh, watching it from the very beginning. It. So I got like six seasons to go through. No, nah, you're going to have to spoil. You're going to have to be spoiled. We cannot wait for you six seasons. You don't know the pain that we went through. Some of us watched those six seasons, okay? Now, mm-hmm. listen, we feel your pain. But we're going to fast forward. You. We won't tell you how they get. We won't tell you all the things that happened to bring us to this moment. But... After you finish those six seasons of Sex in the City, and keep in mind, some of us watched them before the days of binge watching and, yep. and Netflix and <laughs> DVRs. We were old That's school me. having to wait a whole week well, whole until week. the next episode came. That's right. I'm with you. I'm six, with you. For six seasons, we watched this mm-hmm. woman, Carrie Bradshaw, mm-hmm. try to make herself an honest woman with Mr. Big. Mm-hmm. And they had the nerve to kill him off in the first episode Girl, that's of the, the reboot. Best in the world, are you serious? Oh, it's already all over social. It's media. everywhere. I've been like avoiding Facebook until I could see it. It's everywhere. I saw a headline. I saw a headline. They were asking why she didn't call nine one one. Why didn't she call nine one one? That's what I was thinking too. Because it looked like he was still alive. He was still alive. It didn't look like he was still alive. He was breathing. If y'all can see Doctor, if y'all can see Doctor No No's face, if y'all can see Doctor No No's face at this major spoiler, because she decided to start watching from the beginning, from the beginning, right now. No. You you had not, not in two thousand. You had ten now. years to uh, watch the replays. Girl, it it came, the, the whole first episode seasons. came out in nineteen ninety eight. I was not so? even thinking about Carrie Bradshaw in ninety eight. That's, that's, that's not a problem. You could have been watching no, e Entertainment because on, they have been playing the whole series over and over again for years. Okay, the same woman who has read all the Harry Potter and all the books and watch all the, mm-mm, no, no excuse. Listen, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Chris. <laughs> we, we, we don't, we don't got no, she walks no in. Of- first of all, okay. First of all, they pissed me off because they messed with my, my Peloton, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a big deal. I don't know how you didn't hear about this, Dr. Nono, because the Peloton rider, you should have heard about it because it dropped the stock, okay? Like, oh, it's, for- it's been, for real? it's been a messy, messy. Yeah, it did. Uh, well, since he died, how did he die? I mean, well, he had a heart attack. Right? He had a heart attack. Now but he had heart problems. He had heart. He had car, he had coronary artery disease. Okay, like he had a couple yeah. stints in there. Right, he's an old guy. Um, yeah. and so he is exercising and decides to you know finish and mm-hmm. head to the shower and essentially has a heart attack. Okay, mm-hmm. now. He, who knows how long he sat there. I'm assuming a good 20, 30 minutes like he sat there for some minimum. Time. And when Carrie comes home, she sees him on the bathroom floor, kind of sitting up, but just really like very stoic, not moving, mm-hmm. very lethargic. 
but he's alive because he looks up and he's looking at her. And so she rushes in panic, you know, screaming and crying and kissing all over him. And now they both land in the shower water like he can breathe. And instead of her calling the calling the ambulance, dialing 911 or trying to do CPR, well, I guess he's something. still alive. So his CPR was not needed, but trying to do something. Where is his uh, nitroglycerin tablet? Like right. something, something, right? They had just mm-hmm. talked about his tabs like the a couple scenes before like I guess the night before when he when they were I don't even remember what they were talking about but that was when it reminded me like oh yeah there was that time when you know he had this same episode so essentially he has a heart attack and dies well it became a huge deal because I'm sure when Sex in the City reboot approached Peloton about ad um ad displays they did not think that it was going to be the thing they used to kill a man off so then people were like oh he wrote his peloton and then he died like no he wrote his peloton because he had heart disease and he needed to stay in shape but the way it plays off he gets off the bike walks to the shower and and dies and And so like people were like up in arms about it and like (laughs) peloton stock you know stumbled a little bit i'm sure to recover but it was a huge deal but but why not 911 who doesn't dial nine one one? I mean, obviously they're trying to kill off his character, so they well nine one one the issue. So I have to say, when it was playing, I was watching the episode. I was doing. I usually watch these things, and I'm doing something else. I was. I kind of felt it was boring, and then that happened, and I was like, "Oh shoot." You weren't screaming. At the, <laughs> you weren't screaming at the TV because I was screaming at yeah. the TV. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" Get the I phone. Didn't I was just like, oh my gosh, he's having a heart attack. What is happening? And yes. then she comes in. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, wait, <laughs> right. I thought well, I was going to come in and find him really. dead. Right. I thought she was going to come in. I and thought find she was. Him dead. Dead. Is, did they show like a funeral scene after they? No, he's found dead. Him dead. He's dead. He's dead. He is for sure dead. This ain't yeah. the Avengers. Okay, he is dead. All right, like. <laughs> This no, is uh, you've been watching they, superhero they movies for a long time. This is not the comics. I like, you were gonna, I thought you were gonna died. say this ain't a soap opera. This ain't this ain't general. No, nah, you know I gotta, oh, I gotta, I gotta you know I gotta get into Doctor Dono's level, right? She she's into the comics, right? People come back from the comics all the time, right? How many times has Superman died or Batman? This is not it. Like he is dead. But the thing about it was, I'm like, if she had dialed nine one one, because like literally, you know, by the time uh, Miranda gets to the house. They got the body bag in the background, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so you ain't trying to call oh, nobody, like, yeah. because if 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 they had called nine one one and he was still breathing, he would have at least gotten into the ambulance, and they would have tried to do something. something. True, but then I also felt like you, the way they did it, you weren't sure how much time he was down, because that also makes a difference too. It, and it's like you you don't know because it seems like. It wasn't that long, but mm. it seemed like it was kind of long. He was down for a long time. I get that, right? right? So you, we learned is when you were a medical student, everything. Like I think the med- medical student years were the first time you realized, like all this rushing in, you know, already dead, and somebody screaming, like "Oh my God, save my loved one!" into the emergency room is not a thing. If you die in the field, you are dead. They will call an emergency room and say, "Hey, we got this person here. We don't have a pulse." They're not breathing. What do you like us to do? And I can remember the first time my little medical student heart was broken when they were like, you can take them to the park. Like, what? We ain't gonna try to save them. They're like, they're dead. But so if it would have made more sense if she came in and found him dead, right? Right. But she came in and found him- And he moved. Still alive. 
Yeah, because I'm like, what? He looks up at her. But the only, re- the only reason they do that is for the two of them to share a moment. Yeah. Share That's a what moment. I Don't share no moment with me. I'm dying, like, boy. You right. Call, listen, call. I love it. My husband come home and but I'm even, in the shower. But even if she was able to call, like that CPR, ACLS, like it is everywhere. Like compressions well, only CPR. You could at least start that before the ambulance got there. He looked up. So I'm assuming if he's looking yeah. and blinking at me and I can kiss him, then he has a pulse. So he would not have needed CPR but at that moment. Agonal, even with the agonal breathing and the agonal he wasn't respiration, agonal breathing. He looked up. They were kissing. He looked up at her. Oh, you like they lo- why do you? What are you? He looked very sick. He right? He looked like ass. he was in trouble. He looked, he looked like he was. But about she's to like die. kissing them like big, big. You I know, feel oh, like oh, big. Oh no! Please I feel don't like it have to me. My brain is not computing with this moment. So I, I'm just. Like- <laughs> I was so grouchy. I, was I mean, like, no, no, they already, they already spoiled it for you six, six, 10, 12 seasons ahead of time. Right, so, you know, they, they already spoiled it for you. No, no, trying to process what's even happening. I'm like, I would have felt like I would use my last moments to not kiss you, but push you away and say, call 911. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Get off me. Get off me. Get your ass off me and call nine one. The the poor man had no energy. Get my pill. (laughs) Get my pill. Baby aspirin. I'll be honest, y'all. I do not watch Sex in the City at all. Like, I missed the whole wave. I think I try. I think I probably started to try to watch it. Wasn't it like on Showtime or HBO? HBO. I think I tried to watch it. I tried to watch it when I was younger, and I think my mom walked in and she's like, "You're not watching that," and she like cut it off. And I was like, "Oh, okay. I guess whatever." No, no, I was a I'm a diehard Sex in the City. Either way, so I never, I never got back on the wave. I never watched it. And then recently, me and Dr. Chris were on a trip with each other a couple months ago, and we were in the hotel room, and it was a rerun playing, and Chris is like, oh, Sex and the City's on. Like, it's a new episode. This shit mad old. Anyway, but I watched this one episode. And I'm like, oh, man, this joint is funny. I like this. I like this. And she's like, see, see, where have you been? And I was like, I don't know if I can hop back into it. I'm so late. This is like decades it's old. Okay. I'm like, it is 20 but years you know old. What? It came out I'm, in 90s. Like, it's, it's decades old, but I can also appreciate the fact that it us? is. But to, it I'm is trying. a good show. Like I can appreciate the fact that it is a good show. Like it's it's very like yeah. situ it's very situational. I, I feel like the comedy is different. I feel like it's 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 yeah. different. I like it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not an avid fan though. I'm not invested in the reboot and stuff like you guys. But you know, well, I was invested in. And another thing that I'm sad about is Samantha's not there. I love Samantha's character. Right. And the mm. fact that Samantha's not there, I was like, Damn. right. So, so I was already I pissed Samantha. that Samantha wasn't there, and I was on the fence about watching it because me too Sam because wasn't he wasn't there. there. Yeah, and me so too. not only do you take Samantha from me, then right. you throw my Peloton in here like it got anything to do with, you know, big 20 years of coronary artery disease. Then you kill <laughs> big, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then, you kick oh, my girl off, you, you mess my Peloton, you know, right. family, and you kill big. I'm like, did I and do you know, something And to he you? was smoking. And he had a history of smoking too. Smoke and cigars. he was smoking in, the, in one of the scenes. Before. Smoking his cigar. He was like, yeah, I'm smoking my cigar. And you know, Patients do it all the time, you know. So I'm not expecting that. They used to smoke heavy. They all did. Well, both of them did. So they don't smoke anymore. So they were refined. But I'm like, we 
you know how much work we went through to get these two together? Look, I'm like, oh my god, I saw, no, we did to get them here, <laughs> right? I saw a lot of traction on social media about the episode. I saw a lot of people had a lot of thoughts, and I was like, man, this episode must have just like everybody felt like the same way y'all two. They're like, I ain't even know if I wanted to watch this because I already had feelings, and now this happened. You know what? I'm done. There's a lot of that on Twitter. Yeah, a lot of that. I really miss Samantha though. Yeah, Samantha. But was then so like, nice. there's like. I feel like there's like a 25% of people that are like, I mean, I'm curious where they take this. I'm curious where this is going to go. Yeah. So then there's those people too. Well, since y'all just spoiled like the biggest episode of the like the year. So what happened to Samantha? Like, is she still around or? Because I like Samantha. Oh, like, I'm watching before. the first She's couple episodes. Samantha's oh. in London. Yeah, you, she's you, in London. But in real life. They, they don't, don't get, get along. along. Jinx. They don't oh. get along. They don't get along. So, so there's been a huge if you followed them over the years um samantha and uh carrie in real life have not had the best relationship of course you know the carrie and the and the other girls kind of play a like drama am i the drama no i'm not the drama <laughs> and you know they act like nothing is wrong and samantha you know, her real life personality has been like, we're not friends. We ain't been cool. We've never been cool. And so there's always been some conflict. So that's, that's not new. They talked about it over the years that, you know, they always like kind of, you know, applaud them for, you know, I hate this stuff. Cause this is like, gets me into like women and like social constructs, but they've applauded them for being able to perform so well on camera even though behind the scenes they don't get along like women are capable of being professionals, right. but it's neither here nor there. It's so acting. it's not new that they did not get along for lots of things, um, for pay, for exposure, you know, over the years, um, Samantha's character often complained that they were paid less than, than Carrie Bradshaw, but were very important components to the show that oh, Samantha yeah. paid less than Sarah mm-hmm. Jessica Parker. Yeah. Like they, got, they got a lot of mo- less money than yes. she did. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kim Cattrall, which is her real name. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't that her name? Kim Cattrall. Yes. Kim has also always complained about the fact that she had to show way more skin than Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, to be paid mm-hmm. less. And so she just, you know, has felt a way about, you know, mm-hmm. just the character in general. So there's always been bad blood. And then after the second movie, they were trying to do a third movie. And that third movie was when I think um, Kim was like, I don't want to do this. And then the reboot has been the works for years. She was just mm-hmm. like, nah, this don't serve me. So I'm out. No, no I saw the first two movies. Those are decent, but I, I know they're the trying to hurt. Me yeah, too. Oh my gosh. I did not like the second one. The first one was the best. Second one, first one was like. great. Well, that, that was on there in Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah, yeah. Second one was like Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I, it, like it felt so it was, uh, forced. Like I was just yeah. like, really, this is corny to the yeah it was corny. degree. Like I, I didn't. It felt so like not. I, I don't watch we were it trying again. to do too much. Um. So yeah. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch the reruns. I don't mind you guys spoiling things. I'm like, no, no, you guys can talk about whatever you want. But maybe I'll rewatch it. I mean, they're the about I saw, it regardless. So I, it's, this is true. It's not like they asked us <laughs> if we if we felt the way about it. Amy Joe came then, in guns blazing. But then, but then this is the thing though. Sex and City has been out for like since you said what ninety. What what did you say? 94? So I'm sorry if you've been watch it long? before. Yeah. Uh, why, why wouldn't you supposed to go I to the reboot no, no, and then work no your no way backwards? 98. 98? Right. 
Yeah, was it 98? Yeah. You I sure was in it? elementary school when that shit came out. So, yes. Right. <laughs> but you've been a, a whole adult for how long? You but you were going to try to watch six seasons and watch the new one and, and think you were right. going to catch a spoiler? Well, hey, Loki, I did finish long. watching The Wire like two years ago. Like, I just binge watched the entire, all the seasons in Yo. like a couple months. Y'all. But, um, yeah. Sex in the City came out at a time where like, when I was growing up, we had cable boxes. Only one cable box could even get premium yep, channels, yeah. and that was the one in my parents' was, room. Yep, so, like, my, the only the cable box in my parents' room got premium channels. So I can't even get HBO on my TV, like you know, in the family room or something. That's why mm. my mom, when I was in my mom's bed trying to watch Sex in the City, she's like, "What are you doing, little girl?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "I heard about this show." She's like, "I was like 12. She's like. Nah, we're not doing that. Let me tell you how old sex. I have the series of Sex and I still have it. I have the series of Sex in the City on DVD, and it's in this big, gigantic pink, like velvet, like case. You know, very Sex in the City ish. It was like the collector's edition. It sounds um, like Victoria's Secret. It did, it did, right. right. If you didn't know anybody, you think it was some panties in there or something, but. <laughs> It's the sex, and I'm. I look at it every now and then, and I'm like, "Wow, this is so old." Um, yeah, because '98, I was ten, and then but people in middle school, when I got to middle school, they were talking about it because you know it was lots of seasons, and I'm like, "I don't know anything about this show." They're like, "Oh, it's on HBO." I'm like, "HBO?" I'm like, "Do we even have HBO?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, "What?" So yeah, maybe I'll watch some reruns now that I'm a whole yeah. adult and the same age that the characters are supposed to be. Yeah. So I mean, hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch we it. Could, I think you I can appreciate know. it. I think if you watch it yeah. now, even Dark Nota, you'll watch now and you'll appreciate it because uh well, we are old enough to have dated and interact with the male species and some of it you'll be like, if you can't relate to it, some you've been in some conversation somewhere and you're like, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 for sure, for well, sure. I think it's definitely relatable, even though it's older, you know, but it's still it's still relatable. <laughs> I was just looking at the technology in the movie. I'm like, Jesus, I've been had the they have those big ass computers with like the big backs and everything, and they had yeah. the cell phones where you had yep. to pull up the antenna. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, it yeah, it's throwback. It's it's throwback for real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even when I was watching it, I mean, because I also lived in New York for about two years and I was in med school. So then where, like where she's walking, what she's doing and stuff. I'm like, this is very young person, New York, you're a professional making money, but still stuff is not clicking. You want things to click. They don't, you kind of force it. It blows mm-hmm. up in your face. It's very like, ah! yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you expect, you thought you'd have it together, but you don't. <laughs> right. With like Sex in the City though, like that was probably like my first little foray like into what New York is all about. And I just assumed that everything was like, like when I went to go visit New York, I just assumed everything looked like Manhattan because that's the only perception I've had of New York. <laughs> like, is this like, cause she's, uh, Bradshaw's walking like among these like beautiful gray stones and brown stones. I'm like, oh, you know, this is everywhere in New York. You know, this looks really pretty. No. Um, but that, apparently that's only like located in the Upper East Side. Is that right, Dr. Chris? Yeah. I mean, I think she mostly stayed on the Upper East Side, but I think Charlotte stayed more on Park Avenue because, you know, Charlotte has some money. So, you know, she stayed nice place. And then Samantha ended up moving into Soho, the meatpacking district, which ended up being like the hot spot to be yeah. in. 
And then mm-hmm. in the show, she also they also talk about that. It's the new spot to be in. This is where everybody goes. It's very like kind of relevant to the time that they were yeah. doing it. It was it was really cool. I I enjoyed it. I loved it. I tuned in every week and it always happened on a Sunday. I was there on Sundays watching. Right, it. which is why my mom looked at me crazy. She's like, it's the Lord's Day. And then my mom's on a watch. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I heard it. I'm like, I heard it comes out on Sundays. She's it's like, get your little ass out of here. Right. What are you doing? Goodbye. Oh, I said good day, sir. The Lord's Day talking about you want to watch sex in the what? Oh, yeah. Girl? Yeah, she's like, I don't even watch that. I was like, oh, mom, <laughs> you're the worst. Because that's one thing they all did. They all had lots of sex. All of them. All of them. <laughs> all I mean, them. it's in the title. I get that. But I mean, in terms of New York vibes, I do want to watch the new show Harlem because I heard good things about it. Yes, My cousin told me to add great. it to the list. It's a good show. It's good. And while I was in New York, I was living in Harlem for a little bit it's before I moved to Brooklyn. Yeah, it's oh, good. It's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's a good show. Hist- historically, I've been a fan of Megan Good. Historically, so I'm hoping that she doesn't let me down because you know she's she's good. She's goodness. Yeah, yeah, she's good. She's good. I think I like all the characters. They all have a little something, and they all and they're pretty funny. Yeah, of course, I like the most eccentric one. I forget her name. Yeah, I don't remember her name. She I don't is know hilarious. I just watched. I just watched a couple episodes, and I was like, oh, I enjoy this. You enjoy this? Enjoy okay. It, so then I'll add it. I, we have Amazon Prime, so I'll, I'll add it to my list. I haven't like fired it up in a while though, because I watched something else on it. But we know it's like in between seasons, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll like make sure it's renewed and and such. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good. Before you before you go, we 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 don't have to talk about it, but just for you, Doctor Chris, just mm-hmm. for you. Yes, I wanted to let you know that I am caught up on Insecure. I told you I was going to do that, so I'm actually am caught up on Insecure. We don't have to talk about it now. We can talk about it another day or another episode or something. But, you know, it's almost I, done. it's almost done. It's almost Wait, done. I have lots of thoughts too. They're going into ten episodes for the season. I think so. I know there. I know there's two more. Yeah, I don't know how many there's, there's been, but more. I know that there. I, I know for sure there's two more. I think it might be ten. Dang it! What you think it was gonna be twelve? Yes. Well, lucky if you it's get always, twelve. I think it's always ten. I think it's always the same yeah. number. Well, they it's always been from the last season, so I thought you know at least it would you know expand it, but I guess I guess not. Lucky if you get now, 12 mind episodes. you, mind you, I give a lot of respect to y'all because y'all been watching this week by week, and I binge the whole thing. You know, they're only like twenty five minutes, and that's, so what, I, and then, I, that's what people were griping out in the beginning because like as soon as you blink, like the episode is over, and it's like a lot of good content, but. A lot of people are asking for, you know, the creators to make it longer, like a 40 minute episode. But I guess they just never kind of went with it. Um, but I, yeah, I wish I really do wish they were longer. But, you know, it, it is what it is. So I think I, I mean, personally, I think the length is fine for what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's fine. But I think it is because people have to wait week by week. It's not like it all comes out at the same. You know how sometimes they like release all the episodes at once. It's not one of those kind of shows. HBO don't do that. So. I get that the wait is long for like 27, 28 minutes of an episode. I think that's, you know, but it's been the same length the whole time. Like, it has been. I mean, she was doing that from her awkward black girl days on YouTube. So I, I get it. Yeah. On the YouTube channel, about, you know, the same length of time or whatever. But yeah, so. Christine, I understand that you do have lots of thoughts. We can wait until the end of the season to talk about the thoughts. I am very aware that like things that bother me don't bother other people. Because I had a whole debrief with my best friend. Apparently we're bothered by different things. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think I'm behind an episode, but I will have lots of thoughts at the end of the season because, yeah, well, I'll have lots of thoughts. Yes, okay, I remember what you said. So I got thoughts Ooh. too. She said something another time. 
I don't think we recorded it, but I remember. Mm-hmm. And I have thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to interrupt your transition into the uh into the uh <laughs> trended topics, but you can go ahead. I just wanted to let you know that. I appreciate you letting me know. So mm-hmm. I am in charge of the trending topics this week. And what I'm gonna talk about, which probably everybody tired of talking about, but I gotta talk about it because it's important. The new variant that's out. I mean, you know I was gonna talk about it. I knew you were gonna do this. I knew you were gonna do this. I'd rather I'd rather continue talking about TV shows than I don't want to talk about Omicron. Bro, this damn variant at work. You know, third of the cases in the ER are now these new COVID. Oh my god, I'm I'm so done with this. Yeah, we gotta talk about it. Omicron. I mean, it's It's spreading everywhere at the same time. Even like this is, although although the it Mm -hmm. seems to be uh, milder than some of the other ones. Right, it is seeming to spread simultaneously very fast everywhere at the same time mm-hmm. so you know that still brings a concern about crushing your health systems right mm-hmm. even if everybody's having overall mild symptoms if a mm-hmm. hundred people come and you only got room to you know who is that you only have room to um cover is 50 it? people Mm-hmm. Then even mm-hmm. if a hundred people are just having mild milder symptoms that still need to be hospitalized, that can still result into some, you know, really significant outcomes, really poor mm-hmm. outcomes. So that's mm-hmm. always a concern that we're still not not taxing the the health system. So Doctor No No mm-hmm. is probably you know stressed out right now again because the numbers are the you know the census is back through the roof. Bruh, our ER is full. We have people waiting everywhere. No one is moving. The beds on the hospital floor are full. It is a hot mess. Like, I mean, we're kind of now back in crisis mode. So it's unfortunate um, the amount of people that I'm now admitting with COVID and now, and still majority of them are now unvaccinated. And I just, mm. yeah, I just don't know. Like, I feel like, I think a lot of health, uh, you know, like people that work in the hospital now, we're just kind of at a at a loss for what to tell people now because we we tell people to get vaccinated to kind of prevent this from happening. Yet, you know, you know they don't, and then they end up in the hospital and want everything done as quickly as possible. Literally, we saw a person a couple uh, days ago literally came into the ER to get oxygen to go. <laughs> to go where? Right, the upper room. Where are you going? going? I'm like, sir, you are on it's four not a drive through oxygen leaders. Like, this ain't a drive through. Like, what the? That's funny. But you know what? I can believe that because they call the clinic sometimes. And they're like, hey, um, like it'll be like a my what? chart message. Like, hey, I'm a little winded, and I was just calling to see if somebody could like order me some oxygen. And I'm like, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what? <laughs> So I feel no. like people just don't understand, like, you know, when you come into the hospital and you have COVID and you have symptoms, there are, there are a few things that we can offer you when you're in the hospital to help treat COVID. So all those medications, though, are given in the IV. Like, we cannot, we can't give you remdesivir and oxygen to go. Like, it doesn't work like that. So if you come into the hospital, you have COVID, you're short of breath, and you're on oxygen, 
and you come within a certain window to get this treatment, you have you usually have to stay in the hospital to get those treatments. And then we wean down your oxygen to a level enough where you're safe to go home. Like you can't just show up at any ER and say, hey, I got COVID. I'm short of breath. My oxygen's low. Can y'all just give me an oxygen tank to go? Like it is not, it, it does not work like that. You know, so I was just like, I, I I may have rolled my eyes behind my my face shield. Um, I hope the patient did not see that, but I was just like, <laughs> sir, it's not how this works, you know. So, oh my Sorry, patients Chris, see all my facial. Yeah, they see all my facial expressions, even with a mask, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't hide it. I'm like, you asked for what? Excuse me. Oh. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm sorry before we went into all of that. So basically what I was going to say, I was just going to, you know, kind of give a little background on it, um, that it was the world or the well, oh, uh, sorry, world health organization <laughs> that, um, on November 24th, uh, reported that this new variant is of concern. And they really saw that this new variant kind of emerged in um, South Africa. And so they were concerned because, like we were saying before, that they're seeing that it is more transmissible so people can get it more. And But the reason why they're really concerned about this variant is that this variant has more than 50 mutations with over 30 mutations on the spike protein. That is protein that we use to target for the vac- vaccines. So a lot of the scientists and health officials were uh, concerned that this variant wouldn't be effective, the vaccine wouldn't be effective on this particular variant. But what we have found is that the vaccines are still effective for not causing severe disease uh, to help you not get hospitalized as much for COVID symptoms. So the vaccines still work. But the issue is because people are not getting vaccinated, more variants are going to come. And this problem is just going to keep keep happening and overwhelming the health systems, right? So this is why it's so important to get vaccinated. So Dr. Chris, you make an excellent point. So there is, you know, on the rare chance we do get people who have COVID, who caught COVID and came into the ER because they're still a little bit more short of breath. You know, they have a little minimal oxygen requirement, but granted, they're like, you know, I got the vaccine and I still got COVID. So like, what was the point? But, you know, you you said it perfectly that the vaccine does prevent you from progressing to severe disease. So even though you come into the hospital, you're requiring maybe a little bit of oxygen this is like the difference between you being up on the medical floor and being discharged in like a day or two versus you being in the ICU and staying there for a month and maybe not coming off of a ventilator. So that's that's the biggest difference that we see between people who get vaccinated and who are unvaccinated. You are still at very, very high risk of getting severe COVID and all the issues from it if you're unvaccinated and you're more likely to be up in the ICU and that has a terrible prognosis um, if you do get it while you're unvaccinated. So yes, mm-hmm. vaccines do work, and we still recommend that you definitely go get them done, um, even with this new variant circulating around to give you that extra protection. And as always, I'm always concerned about the long term. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, that I have been, I have been, I feel like I've been preaching this gospel <laughs> for well over a year at this point that. 
we are ignoring we're not ignoring it but it's not it's not you know as as sparkly as new infections hospitalizations and all this kind of stuff but we're getting to the point now where all these people who have these long-term covid symptoms are over it right Mm-hmm. Listen, now, I've had enough of this. You need to fix it. No, I, I have no fix for this. Because remdesivir is great, right? We know that the literature says that it definitely improves outcomes. It shortens hospital stays. It may prevent you from going into the hospital. And so there is a small comfort that even for people who are not vaccinated that have high-risk you know, situations, we may be able to keep you out of the hospital. But all of these chronic, these long-timer symptoms, we have not created a single pill for any of that. And I'm starting to get people who are now coming in that are over the timing of their illness. And they're kind of like, all right, stop playing medical community. What are you going to do for me? And I'm like, nothing. That, that's the part that I don't think people understand. Like, After your life is saved, anything that happens to you from that point forward that involves COVID, there really is nothing. Yeah. People don't like to hear that. They don't. And I get it. And it's frustrating. And I wish I had a better answer for you, but I don't. It's not even just that people don't like to hear that. Americans in particular don't like to hear that. So Americans in particular are very individualistic. We pay so much money for our healthcare compared to other countries. And our COVID numbers throughout this whole pandemic have been abysmal. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a compilation of all of these things all mixed together. So you have these people that are paying all these premiums for their insurances. They put so much into the healthcare system. So they, in, in a way it makes them a little, they, in, in a way, because they feel like they pay these premiums and they do all this stuff. They kind of feel like, oh, well I'm owed this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm owed an answer. Like I'm, owed, I'm like, but that's not how it works. That's not how you need this works. The system, the system is not arranged. Well, the whole thing is not very, it's not, it's, it's just, it's just not a good plan. It's not a good system. We haven't done great as a nation. We just, we're just, we're just trying to take it day by day. Real talk. Like that's, you know, the USA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just haven't done well. Mm-hmm. And we don't come together and we're not here for camaraderie and we're not thinking of others. And we're, it's just, it's just not how we've recently been built. Maybe historically that was a thing, but now as a recent, you can't guarantee that all the time. So I don't know. I will say this because you're making me talk about this, Chris. I will say in terms of Omicron, people keep really getting on South Africa. And I'm going to be honest. They were probably the first ones to identify it and had the balls to actually put it out there into the world. But I'm sure Omicron is everywhere. Oh, so yes. this whole like this whole like, oh, no flight list. Don't go here. Don't go there. I'm like, because we saw this with COVID. When COVID first started, you know, people trying to keep it hush hush, like, oh, we don't want to say that we have another variant because that puts a target on our back and it's going to hurt our economy. It's going to hurt our tourism. So there's all these hospital systems that, you know, once people discover things, there's some apprehension from the government as to what they want to put out there to the world. And I get it. Everybody's trying to get their economies back on track. Everybody, Everybody's trying to figure it out. Right. South Africa was just the first one to be like, hey, we do have this variant. We found it. You guys deserve to know. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. And it's everywhere. And they know that it's everywhere. I mean. They know it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So it's, just- it's in my state. It touched down in California. What? They said, what? Three weeks ago? But it probably was here. If it's it in it's South been, Africa, it's I assume it's been in California. Right. I, been if here. it's in South Africa, I assume that it came to South Africa. Right? Not that it yeah. started 
in South Africa. And, you know, just the, just how the media and even the medical community kind of, you know, went about, you know, discussing this particular uh, variant as it related to South Africa. I think like you, Dark Sunshine, just left a a funny taste in my mouth. I was like, y'all don't like how y'all are playing this because we've had more uh, lethal variants that came out of Europe and came, you know, uh, developed other places. And we, while we talked about them with concern, we didn't talk about them with concern from the origin of entry, right? Like we just kind of said, oh Lord, we've got this variant. Oh, by the way, it came from here, but let's talk about this variant. It felt like when the South, when they, when they got to the Omicron variant, it was like, well, it came from South Africa and well, don't go to South Africa. And I'm like, Americans out here in these streets donating uh, COVID to any place they can, you know, vacation. And now all of a sudden <laughs> we're on a no-fly zone. Remember we're begging for a no-fly zone when we want to keep um, some of the earlier variants in Europe and we could not yeah. get, we couldn't get a peep out of any of our governmental agencies to shut down travel like that. And so I thought that is completely uh, unfair. Um the only the only hope is that somehow somehow miraculously, even though it has all these major um, mutations, it mm-hmm. it is not showing either. It's not showing its full hand of all the destruction it can cause, or it really is mild for some reason. And so it is a so far a variant with multiple mutations with a fairly mild disease profile. Yeah. But I'm like, could you imagine the Delta variant with the same mutations on? The spike Tell protein that the It'll Omicron variant has, like we be all dead, we just all be dead. Right. Just be like, let's just right. go and get it now. And, and the thing is, it's because they because they see that, of course, they mutate and they still take a few mutations here and there. But this one was like fifty mutations, and like yeah. in a short period of time, they're like, what? What's going yeah. on? And especially on the protein that we target to for the vaccine. So it's definitely a concern. And it just goes to show you like this is going to keep happening because these are, this is what viruses do, right? The way they're going to stay around in the community is they got to find a better way to infect more people, right? And then mm-hmm. if they infect you and they don't make you so sick, you're going to be out more and infect more people. So then it gets better and then it gets to involve and change mm-hmm. and just be better at what it does. So all we're doing is giving them the chance to do it. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's why I felt like I had to say something. Fun times. Oh my gosh. It was such a wonderful trending topic, Dr. Chris. Good job. <laughs> Even can though I, you don't. Can I say COVID. one thing? Because mm. I listen to podcasts. This is just one trending topic. It's a sad one. Um, oh. I don't know if you all follow the Budgenista uh she is a um uh one of a black girl black girl magic financial guru i follow her podcast and mm-hmm. um I she's wonder, got a good platform too she's though. an amazing oh, like, platform like has been really awesome and so if you ever listen to her i have her book like I, I you know i appreciate that you know um as a black woman i needed to hear financial all kind of advice right I, in my mind i'm like if people think in medicine, hearing it from someone who looks like me sounds differently, right? And if I trust that my knowledge is just as good 
or better than people who don't look like me, then I've got to mm-hmm. apply that philosophy other places. And so when I when I became aware of the budgetista, I was very invested in kind of, you know, hearing her thoughts and everything. And so I have been, you know, an admirer and a follow her for a long time where her husband um, passed away, had an aneurysm, oh, died unexpectedly. Oh. So, wow. you know, I just, you know, I felt so bad. So I want to send some condolences out to the Bajanista family uh, because yeah. she spoke so highly of him. Um, and I've heard different, you know, podcasts, their fertility journey. Uh, you know, you hear her talk about her husband and just it was clear that she very much loved him. And he seemed like an amazing person. And young people don't expect their spouses to die. So my condolences to the Bajanista um, and her family. So just Aww. one sad event that it happened. It's very sad to see it. And aneurysms are rough. They mm-hmm. are. And aneurysms are rough, man. Like you, you don't see them coming. It's abrupt. It's severe. It's, you know, that's, that's really, you rough. don't make it out so, in most cases. It happens mm-hmm, so fast. Right. There mm-hmm. is no, there's no time. And sometimes, sometimes people do have a little like, Oh, you know, I was complaining of a headache a couple of days before maybe, but you know, so many, and we did a whole episode on headaches. Yeah. Like yeah. headaches are triggered. Headaches are triggered by everything. Yep. Lack of sleep, dehydration. Mm-hmm. It could be a bunch of stuff. So I usually don't think like, oh man, I got a slight headache. I ha- might have an aneurysm. Like that's like, that's what the patients come in asking you about. And you're like, slow down. Yes. <laughs> slow down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know about an aneurysm. Let's just drink some more water and get some more sleep. Yeah. And let's see how we, how we do. So um, that's really abrupt, yeah. and I'm happy you brought that up. So yes, I agree. Condolences, yeah, condolences out. That's really because tough because because yeah. sometimes you can find an aneurysm on it, like as an incidental finding because you were looking for something else, and then you're like, oh, look at this one. We see something, but that's right. not often, right? Really, in the brain, <laughs> right? You find them right. abdominal aortic, yeah, other places, you find them other places. Mm-hmm. You can find them, you know, mm-hmm. you know, mainly the aorta. I feel like it's where. You know, mm-hmm. I'll see something that comes back and says, yeah. Or maybe somebody like had a stroke and you can say karate yeah. aneurysm or something like that. But it's really rare to just luck up upon a, a brain aneurysm. Um, yeah. So aneurysms are, and we do not have a screening tool for them because somebody's going to come no back way. and say, well, how do I protect myself? So there is no screening tool for brain aneurysms, um, which is what make them so lethal and so unforgiving because they happen really quickly. There's not a lot of time to fix them. Most people are dead before they hit the floor. Sad. So, yeah. Well, on that note, let's keep it going because our topic (laughs) doesn't... I think it's a great introduction to our topic because... All right. Well, I guess on a happier happier note... We're going into the holidays, so that means uh, a lot of people are going to be traveling home to be with their families, a lot of good food, good drinks, you know, merrymaking all around. So that kind of brings up a good point that, uh, so if you do go home and you do consume a lot of alcoholic beverages, there is a slight condition that we need to kind of be aware of. Uh, So there's this thing called holiday heart syndrome. You're like, that sounds weird. Like, what is that? You know, and does it only appear around the holidays? No, not typically. Um, it's or or they or they might think it's a movie. There's a yes. movie called Holiday oh, Heart on BET. Oh, so if you Google Holiday Heart, do not Google just Holiday Heart because that movie will pop up. <laughs> the movie will pop up. <laughs> With, uh, what's his face? Uh, B Rain. Yeah, 
yes it was replaying on bet all the (laughs) time okay i'm sorry guys but i also (laughs) did google search it and that's what came up (laughs) (laughs) yep you gotta put holiday heart syndrome otherwise this black man and this little girl and her trials and tribulations (laughs) i'm like this is not what she's talking about oh my god i think i watched it on repeat i all the time it was playing all the time bet either way it was always on it was it was (laughs) So holiday heart syndrome. So essentially it's a condition. Um, the, the medical term is called alcohol induced atrial arrhythmia. So it's just a fancy way to say, if you drink too much, your heart's going to go crazy. It's going to beat really fast and you're going to feel it. Um, so it's pretty much a cardiac, a cardiac disturbance caused by large consumptions of alcohol that will cause your heart to go into a funny rhythm um, when we say atrial arrhythmias, there's two different chambers within your heart. There's the atria, which are on top, and your ventricles, which are on the bottom. The way your heart beats, it's controlled by an electrical system or a conduction system. And there's some like toxic substances that can cause your system to kind of go out of whack. So if you drink a lot of alcohol, you know, with this syndrome, that can cause your atria, which are the top parts of your heart, to beat extremely fast. And that can impair your um, your uh, blood delivery to the rest of your body because your heart's not able to fill blood correctly. And then, you know, that you're not able to get blood out to the rest of your body. And kind of with that, so if your blood is kind of sitting in one spot for a really long period of time, you know, your blood is a coagulant. And that means that it can form uh, blood clots very easily. So with that, the biggest risk with that is that you can have a lot of um, what we call thromboembolic events or clots that can shoot up to your brain <laughs> or clots that can shoot down to your, um, to your legs or to your, um, to your lungs. So I'm not saying no. you can't, I know, I know it's a lot of, it's a lot, but I'm not saying you can't. Yeah. For the average listener, all these words. Yes. I'm going to break it down. I'm not saying that you can't drink at your holiday gatherings. I'm just saying this is something that you People need about to be, be aware terrified. Of. Right. They're like, what? Like, I can't have no wine. Like, Doctor Dr. No No, can we not drink wine or Hennessy or whatever? I'm like, no, you can. It's just that you gotta, you know, moderate your intake. So so this is the thing. The good thing about this is that it is reversible. So if it does happen, then you know, if he's usually if you stop drinking, it will should it will go away. So typically the the incidence of this event, so usually five to ten percent of all episodes of these these heart arrhythmias, these are all attributable to you know your alcohol consumption. So sometimes you can have these uh, these heart arrhythmias or the heart rhythm that can pop up just spontaneously or out of nowhere. And that can that also cannot be due to alcohol, but that usually happens in about five to ten percent of these cases. Either way. Um, if you come into the, so if you come in to the ER, you're like, Hey doc, you know, my heart's beating really fast. You know, you'll feel dizzy. You might say, Oh, I felt really lightheaded. I was about to pass out. You know, I had some chest discomfort You know, I felt really weak. Um, you know, those are all signs and symptoms that we, you know, take into account when we're, when we're taking the history, um, with that. So, you know, I kind of talked about this a little bit in our, uh, alcohol episode, I, Bro, I can't remember. It was season one, which episode, go back and look. Either way, um, when we ask you, part of your history when you come into the hospital is that we ask you about how much alcohol, how much uh, tobacco, and how what drugs that you take. This is not us being nosy. This is us to help you get to a proper diagnosis. 
So if you come in saying, oh, you know, I drink like one glass of wine here and there. Um, but, you know, when we say you say when you say you drink one glass of wine, we have to quantify how much. So is that one glass of wine like with dinner or are you drinking it like all the time? You know, and that that kind of helps us, you know, quantify how much you're actually drinking. And that also helps us come to a diagnosis a lot quicker. So I don't think it's just alcohol, though. I think it's alcohol, dehydration. And then there's another trigger, too. It's not there only is, uh, alcohol. stress. So there is stress and stress. Yeah. So that's like a stress um, induced cardiomyopathy, which is a whole nother talk and whole other thing that we're not going to discuss in this in this talk. But either way. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can probably stop there for now. Have you guys kind of seen this in your clinics or have you had dealt with it at all or? Are you now seeing it now that we're getting into the holidays? Yes, I've seen it. I've definitely seen it in the clinic. I can make it a little bit more relatable for the audience. The typical normal time that this comes up is typically during the holidays is usually, and I'm painting a picture for you guys, not saying it has to be this, but usually it's like an older man, usually a little overweight, spending time with his family. All of a sudden, everybody's around. They've been drinking. Somebody says, hey, man, y'all want to get a football game together? We all here. Let's go. <laughs> so it's always some older man who's been drinking was like, oh, yeah, I can hang with y'all little young fellas. I can go out. I can do it. I can do it. And then they go out, exert themselves a little more than they normally do after they've been drinking. And, of course, dehydrated because, no, they weren't drinking any water. And then they done caught the touchdown pass. And then they're like, whoo, uh, hey, y'all. Uh, and then and then someone has to take you know uncle bubba to the to the damn hospital oh, and then it's like oh well it wasn't a heart attack but it is a little fu- this is literally this is literally the formula for how this happens yeah i literally admitted it's, yeah I, I admitted someone that went to literally and drank a little too much you're like oh we had some co- a couple shots of whiskey now i came in my heart was being real fast i could feel it in my head i'm like a little drink of this, a little stress here, and a little that, a little that. And the stress doesn't have to be from playing football with the young fellas. It can be come from it can come from heated conversations at the dinner table because it's the holidays and you arguing with your brother in law. It's all these, it's all these little, it's all these little things. But when you add them all together, you know, then that's how we get here. So, so the, exactly. Yeah. So the issue with alcohol is that it is um it is an agent that does act on the conduction system in your heart. So even even despite this holiday heart syndrome, when you drink alcohol, you'll feel like a, a rise in your heart rate. And that's due to the effects of alcohol that are having on the conduction uh, pathways in your heart. So yes, your heart rate will go up a little bit when you drink alcohol. The issue with this syndrome is that that heart rate remains sustained at a really high level and it doesn't come down um, you know, because you continue to drink alcohol. So that's kind of where we get into the issue where, so what happens if your heart rate stays this high, you know, what are some of the complications that you can get with it? So the biggest issue really is, like I said earlier, when your heart isn't able to pump out the blood to the rest of your body, it remains stagnant in the other uh, chambers of your heart. And that can cause an issue with, uh, with blood clots. The blood clots can form on the inside of your heart. It can form on your valves. And with that, when your heart does eventually, your valves open up and kind of, you know, send that blood out to other parts of your body, it can send little clots with it. And that can cause, you know, issues with strokes, with clots in your lungs, which we call pulmonary embolisms or strokes in your, sorry, not strokes, clots in your legs, which we call um, deep venous thrombosis. And it can cause a lot of other issues in other parts of your body. So the biggest thing that we do in terms of treatment 
is that we need to control your heart rate. First of all, even before we get to that, we need to take out the inciting trigger, which is your alcohol. So if you stop drinking, then typically most cases this will reverse and your heart rate will go back to uh, normal or what we call in the medical community sinus rhythm. But if you continue to drink, there's going to be some long lasting effects on there on your heart and also not even on your just on your heart, on your liver and also on the rest of your body that, you know, may become progressive and at some point may become irreversible over time if you continue to drink. So. No, but I'm saying like before you get into like the treatments and how you address it, you should also tell the people who are at most risk for it. That way everyone, because if I'm the casual listener and I'm listening it sounds like I'm about to have this crazy heart rhythm, have clots everywhere. So put me at ease. Put me, the average listener, at ease. <laughs> yeah, for you should, sure. You should so, always drink water when you drink alcohol, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You should so drink that, water. Stay hydrated. No, essentially. So, I mean, also, be just to be aware of how much that you drink and also be sure that you kind of substitute some water with that in between. Um, I mean, we're here to have a good time for a long time, not a short time. So just be aware of that. But, <laughs> okay, Drake. Okay, Drake. <laughs> but essentially, so essentially, um, I'm just saying that this is for people who, so when you drink alcohol for prolonged periods of time, and I'm talking about like, you're taking not just a couple shots, but like, uh, you know, liter plus of whatever drink that you, you know, uh, prefer, that has lasting impacts both on your heart and also on other parts of your body. So the biggest complications with uh, this condition, if you don't, if you fail to stop drinking alcohol and ex- excessive amounts, would be issues with your heart. So heart failure is a big condition that we see. So heart failure is essentially where you have fluid that builds up in other parts of your body, and we usually have to give you, um, you know, one of your doctors will give you a water pill for you to pee off the extra fluid. And that can also make it very difficult for you to breathe over time. In addition, you know, like I said, alcohol can cause those heart rhythms to persist. Um, The biggest one is atrial fibrillation. um, But there are other heart rhythms that can pop up that we would need to give you medications for to not only slow the heart rate, but to also prevent clots from forming. In addition, um, drinking lots of alcohol uh, can also cause uh, as a risk factor for pneumonia. So, you know, coming with a cough, fever, you're, you know, coughing up a lot of stuff and um, sputum and whatnot, have fever, your white count is up. Um, Those are all signs that we take into account for pneumonia and we'll treat you accordingly. And also, you know, if you, you know, usually in the hospital, I, I see this more so with like people that have been drinking for decades and, you know, just drinking crazy, crazy amounts of beer, liquor, you know, sometimes all at once. Um, and you know, you have what you call your heart gets really big and dilated, and that can also impair, uh, uh, blood flow to the rest of your body that can also lead to heart failure. And this can also lead to, you know, what we call premature death. So, you know, I understand that drinking alcohol around the holidays is something that's, you know, done frequently, but what I'm talking about mostly is when this is done in severe excess. So that's, that's, that's more what I'm kind of getting to. To that point. Uh, so uh, kind of getting to the end of it. So when you come into the hospital, you're like, all right, well, you know, my heart's beating fast. You know, I, how do you guys diagnose that? Like, what do you guys do? So uh, typically when you come into the ER, they're going to do a bunch of stuff to you and you're like, what the hell is going on? But this is all kind of getting to the point. 
So first of all, we need to make sure that, granted, when we take your history, we talk about your alcohol consumption, but there are also other things in your history that can cause your heart to beat really fast. So what we get is called an EKG, which is uh, we put electrodes on your chest to measure the electrical activity of your heart. Sometimes this heart rhythm can be caused by uh, areas that are of damage within your heart muscle or in your heart wall, or even within the heart valves that you know fail to work properly. So in addition to the EKG, we'll also get an x-ray to look at the general structure of your heart. And then sometimes we'll get what's called an ultrasound or an echocardiogram, which is a fancy term to say we get an ultrasound of your heart to look at the valves and also look at the general structure of your heart to see if there's anything abnormal there that we can actually correct in any sort of surgery or intervention when we talk to cardiology. So with that, um, if you do drink alcohol for, you know, we'll see this in your labs uh, when we get blood work when you come into the hospital. So if you've been drinking alcohol for a really long period of time, you know, sometimes people kind of like will downplay the amount that they drink. But, you know, in most cases, labs never lie. And we can usually see how much you drink based on your labs. So if I see some evidence of liver damage from your labs, what we call LFTs, those are usually sky high. So uh, we can tell you, we can tell from that, that there is something or some process going on in your liver um, that is causing, you know, damage to the rest, uh, to the rest of your body and also to your heart that we also need to correct while you're here in the hospital. So that could be a cause for why your heart rhythm is, and you know, kind of out of whack. In addition, we also look at your kidney function. So your kidney is responsible for taking out a lot of the, uh, you know, if your kidneys are not working to kind of excrete the extra toxins that you drink from the alcohol and whatnot, if your kidneys aren't working, that stuff builds up in your body. And that can also precipitate these uh, heart, you know, rhythms that we get or that we see when you come into the hospital. So those, those, that's initially the, you know, first blood work and lab work and uh, ultrasound imaging stuff that we do when you come into the hospital to see kind of what's causing the issue. There is something I want people to know, though, because people do this all the time. Like if they know that they're drinkers, um, because what's in, and I guess I'm like Dr. Sunshine. It's important. It's important to kind of paint multiple pictures. The 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 holiday heart person is the the forty five year old uh, who is home for the holiday. And their 20-year-old nephew just came in town and they're college students and they're talking about how they remember how they used to drink in college. We're going to do it like you do a young nephew. And all of a sudden, you're trying to drink Everclear with this 20-year-old. And next thing you know, six hours later, your heart hurts, right? So um, there's that picture. But even more importantly, there's the other group. And that, and that and that group doesn't necessarily consider themselves heavy drinkers or are heavy drinkers, right? But then there's the other group of people who know they drink a little bit to excess. And so if you come in, just because somebody like Dr. Nono doesn't tell you that your liver enzymes are elevated, it does not mean anything. Because acutely, meaning right now, we may not catch your liver enzymes doing anything, we will catch your kidney though, because your kidney is way more reactive. So some people will say, oh, it was just because I'm dehydrated because my liver was straight. Like, no. Some of these labs that they're going to run on you in the emergency room can be beautifully normal. It does not mean that it was okay for you to 
take down a bottle of Everclear, you know, in that short time span. Even if you leave and Dr. Nono says, well, the only thing that was going on was your kidneys, but everything else looks okay, please stay hydrated. Just know that when you go see your primary care doctor in the clinic, we may check your your um, labs again and all that stuff can be completely abnormal. So it may take a couple of days. So don't leave the emergency room like thinking I'm all right and go finish off the next bottle, the, the next half of this alcohol. Just want to make that point because people will hear that and say, well, I must be good. And you don't have to be because some of this stuff does not show up till day three. No, I, I forgot an organ system. So, you know, essentially, you know, alcohol is the inciting trigger for the holiday heart syndrome, you know, the alcohol induced atriarrhythmia. But, you know, we always like to rule out other organic causes or other organ system causes for why your heart rhythm is so out of whack. So we look at your liver, we look at your kidneys, and then I also forgot to mention, we do look at your thyroid. So when your thyroid is like super overactive, um, that can also cause, you know, an issue with the conduction system in your heart. So we always uh, check what we call a TSH or your thyroid function test while you're in the ER. And also on the floor to make sure that your thyroid is not out of whack and causing your um, your heart to have that crazy rhythm. When this actually does happen to you in real life and real time, it's not your job to figure out whether you have holiday heart or an actual heart attack. So when you actually feel the discomfort in your heart, you're going to go to the emergency room anyway. This holiday heart, like what Nono is talking about, it's it's basically a syndrome that we end up discovering as we do investigations and as we do the EKGs and then we come to that conclusion in the hospital. And when she said that it's reversible, it is reversible, but that's not like the cue for you to like stay at home and just not drink alcohol and just hope it gets better. Because we know that, you know, you're at home, you're not a physician, you don't have any of the equipment that you need or know how to use it. So no matter what, holiday or not, you feel discomfort in your chest, you need to seek, you know, you need to seek care immediately, no matter how you slice it. Um, and then once you actually get to the care and get to somewhere where you can, you know, like where we can have further investigations, then we can take it from there. I kind of wanted to clarify that too. No, no, I'm saying just because the average person, you know, chest pain, chest pain. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, we went to medical school for, I don't know how many years in residency to, you know, diagnose you quickly and on the spot. So, you know, come into the ER and the hospital, let us figure that out for you. You don't need to worry about that. Um, and also I kind of want to, you know, hit this home that yes, alcohol can, can cause this, uh, this heart rhythm, but we also need to make sure, like what I said earlier with all the workup, the blood tests and the imaging t studies that we do, we need to make sure it's not due to something structural within your heart or something from another organ system. So that's why we do those lab tests to look at your kidneys, your liver, your thyroid, you know, anything else that could be causing that issue to say, okay, definitively, this is due to your alcohol drinking and y'all need to stop. Um, but until we get that lab work, we cannot say for sure, for certain if this is absolutely due to the alcohol, because we need to do that other lab work just to make sure. So, yeah. I think this, were you going to say something, Dr. Chris? No, I think she was very thorough. Gotcha. I, so I, I think that I, this, I think I this like, overall also Everything. speaks to the fact that I think that you know, not just for the holidays, but even for the time outside of the holidays, similar to what Amy Jo always says, you know, to kind of be working on yourself and improving your diet and exercising and trying your best to stay in, you know, good health throughout the majority of the year. And when the holidays do come around, we get it. Like it's the holidays. You might eat stuff you don't normally eat or drink things you don't normally drink and you're around family and we get that. But um, I think it also, you can do yourself a service by, 
kind of checking yourself on your alcohol intake throughout the year, kind of getting a good idea of like what your habits are, how you can improve things like that. And like Nona was saying, like this whole like, you know, binge drinking spree, things like that, that can trigger it. But it also does help if you have a better baseline health status going into the holidays. Don't get me wrong. This can actually happen to people who have no history of like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, things like that. So it can happen to anybody. But I think it's also a reminder that we need to do our due diligence throughout the year. And, you know, you can, you know, enjoy the holidays, but just be be aware. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. And I always say like, you know, especially when it's like Thanksgiving, Christmas, like I always say, don't be trying new recipes on Thanksgiving day. Like (laughs) stick to what you know, right? Don't be going into these holidays and (laughs) drinking more than you don't normally drink. Like just don't do that. Don't do it. Don't be trying to show up like, oh, I can hang and I could do. No, you can't. No new recipes for the holiday. Yo, I literally said that. I literally said that to someone this past holiday. Right. No, but it's true though, right? You don't do no, something new. Thanksgiving like, is where you bring new. out your, oh, your, your like Thanksgiving. No. Yeah, exactly. Don't it's like, it. no, I make this all the time. You, you a game. You already <laughs> knew this. That's what the holidays for. <laughs> right. I'm an expert. I got this. In fact, <laughs> I've never even, in fact, I've thing. never oh, even had it before. We're going to try it together. No. Only if you are expert. Nah, what is that? Nah. What is that? Nah. It's about time. You do this on another day, on a regular day, not not on a not on a holiday when you get judged by what you made. Oh, oh! I co-sign. I co-sign, Doctor Chris, which is do what you normally do. Like, don't be out here doing things you don't normally do. Because right. when you do too much, is usually oh, when things go, go yeah, <laughs> things go off it. kilter. Things go off kilter. Get off the train tracks. That's when it goes wrong. You're doing too much. Doing too much. Well, I did. I much. think I mentioned at the very beginning of the talk. So for sure. So again, this is usually uncovered by alcohol, but there is a very small percentage of people where this the the heart arrhythmia or the heart rhythm does not convert back to a normal rhythm. And with that, we would need to put you on medications to make sure it stays in that rhythm and that you don't suffer, or not suffer, that's a terrible word. You don't have the side effects from the heart rhythm long-term. So medications that would include, you know, the treatment for that would include um, beta blockers or calcium blockers. So not going into like the chemistry and all that stuff. These are all medications that are made to keep your heart rate at a, at a stable rhythm, a uh, stable level. So those are medications that we give to, uh, to you in the hospital when we determine that, okay, you know, we stopped the inciting factor. We did the workup for all the other systems that may be causing it. You know, those look good, but you still have this heart rhythm. So we need to put you on medications to make sure your heart, uh, your heart rate stays at a good level and that your heart continues to beat properly. So um, usually we put you on uh, beta blockers or calcium channel blockers um, or some rhythm control agents, which are usually handled by uh, cardiology, which we will call for you while you're in the hospital. And again, I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, the issue with this is that when your heart chambers are beating super, super fast, none of your blood is going anywhere. So that causes it to stagnate and you can develop clots. So we typically kind of have a discussion with you about your risk factors and uh, determine if you would need some type of blood thinner to prevent you from having clots that would form in the future. Um, 
so with that, you know, that's typically the, the treatments that we would institute for you if you do come to the hospital or if you come to your PCP office and you're like, oh, you know, this is, this is an issue. And well, that's usually the treatment that will uh, start for you when you're, when you, you're seen by a doctor. So yeah, that's it. Yay. I like it. Yay. Holiday heart. I feel like there should be a song at the end of it. <laughs> Don't get it. Holiday heart. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Drink more water. Increase your water. Holiday heart. Did we go into the wrong field? Did we go into the wrong field? That was good. Listen, you could have. Listen, you could have made me jingles. I don't. I don't know why. Holiday heart. How did you? You know, I got you. You know, I'm Y'all know win, that I sing random man. songs all day long for my entire life. Like, my whole life is a bunch of <laughs> random songs. Like, yeah, the listeners don't know that, but, oh, you know, my any word can trigger okay. me into a song, right? Well, Just... I have the questions, and I think that we might... We gotta do I... it. <laughs> it's the question. I didn't even, I didn't even the give question. the pause for Amy to do her thing. I should I'm know good. that it's okay. coming uh-huh. already because it always happens. <laughs> Like, you know there's, there's already a transition sound I, I in between, but in just in case, we still got Amy Joe no matter what. So I, I mess with it. I mess with it. I mess with it. Okay. So I think we have enough time oh, to do two. So the first one we're going to do is what's funny is that this is a medical podcast and it is a medical question, but I think it's, this is more of a life question. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So she says, um, I think it's a she. Oh. Yeah, it's a she. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm assuming it's a she. Um, so do you ladies have any advice regarding how to avoid the when are you having babies questions from family members over the holiday? I am in my early 30s with a boyfriend of two years, and we aren't in a rush, but we'll likely consider them in the future. But how do I avoid these awkward conversations? Thanks. Bro, I just say I don't know and keep it moving. I'm I'm very unbothered. So can I get on my soapbox? The answer. Yeah. I've been dodging these questions for years. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. It hasn't worked. <laughs> but this is gonna put me on my soapbox though. Like, listen, I can't help you dodge the bullet, but what I heard you say is that you were in your thirties and you don't have the, you don't want the babies right now, but you plan on having them in the future. Mm-hmm. If you are older than 32, then before you make another decision about the timing of your children, I would recommend, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend that you see a fertility specialist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are a woman of color or not, but if you've watched the episode and you've, you've heard me to some extent <laughs> kind of get on this, but I, I'm on the rampage right now. Like I am like trying to be a, a champion for women of color because we, we over-educate in sexual health, STD prevention, pregnancy prevention. And then all of a sudden when we should be transitioning into having conversations with men, women to say, how do we plot out then the next five years to make sure that you have children safely on your terms, you know, with your eggs. We black women just kind of get lost in those conversations. I never think it's happen. a good point. She says so, early thirties. So you're right. She um, could be anywhere from 30 to 32 I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. At 32, fertility starts to see a decline. It's going to take a rapid turn down at 37. So what I generally tell women in my clinic is that you can have these babies whenever you want to, right? Your 30s and your 40s, you can carry to term, no problems. But 37 and on, the question will come, can you carry them with your eggs? And that may, the answer may be, maybe not, right? And so, um, you know, you're going to have to dodge those questions like the rest of us, like go get an extra plate. I don't know, like get to the space table where they're talking, you know, trash about something besides your ovaries. But for you, my dear, unless you're going to get pregnant right now, please see a fertility specialist. Different from senior gynecologists. I've had to clarify this because I've learned this in my own experiences in my clinic, talking to my patients. And this is not a knock against gynecology, right? This is no differently to me than me as the primary care doctor treating your hypertension versus me sending you to the cardiologist when your hypertension needs some special care, right? General gyne, they can answer the questions from a high level view, but I think we owe it to women, particularly black women, ones that are 32 and older, a fertility specialist to sit down and say, here's what it looks like. Now, of course, there are some gynecologists out here and I've seen the notes on some of them where I'm like, oh, you got your, you got your fertility thing like wrapped and they're asking the right questions and they're doing the right labs, but go to somebody who's going to really lay it out for you. And also somebody who could tell you exactly what the plan would need to be. Any of it that these labs look a little shaky. So that doesn't answer your question, but that is your my unsolicited advice to you because um, you've been in it for two years. I'm assuming he's a nice guy and maybe year two, year three, year four, y'all going to talk about having kids, which is cool with me, but you'll feel better about it if you I had a plan say, right oh, now. Oh, I think no, no. I think no, no. Yeah, I think that's great she advice. She can go first. I saw her finger. Yeah, so playing devil's advocate. So for anyone not in the medical profession, if they go to their PCP, is that you know, and they're, they're kind of having this discussion like, oh, I don't want kids now, but I want kids later. You know, are you the guys to make that referral to find a, reprodu- a reproductive endocrinologist to kind of set them up? Or is that something that you would have to find on their own? You may have to find okay. it on your own. There's no devil advocate here. I'm very clear on this. Find a fertility specialist. Yeah. You can ask your primary care doctor, can they send you to one? But there's no guarantee that your, your PCP knows where they are, right? Mm-hmm. Find a specialist. Your gynecologist may be able to tell you because I'm sure that they are aware like, oh, you need to go to we've got two clinics in our area here and here. I, I'm lucky that in my health system, we have fertility in our discipline, like in my hospital system. Um, and but then there are also, you know, other outside, you know, private um, companies. But REI, which is a fertility specialist. To, to more so, I, I, I'll add a little nugget here, which I guess might be the end of this particular question. Um, to answer your actual question, I'll say a small nugget here regarding uh, navigating the family members. I think if you, especially if you're the type, and I don't know, because you didn't give me much information here. If you're the type where you don't live at home and you're going home for the holidays and you're only there for like a week or so and you happen to get these questions when you go home, I think it might be... I think it might be one of those things where you have to reflect on how much this really bothers you. If it's one of those things where it's like they bring it up, it's kind of annoying, and then they change the topic two seconds later, and then you don't really care, brush it off, okay, fine. But if it's something that is really starting to bother you, affecting your mental health, things like that, I do think it's okay to set a boundary, um, and you can do that respectfully so, depending on the family member. Um, And it might just be something where you're like, hey, 
you know, this is something that's really personal to me and I don't really want to talk about that right now. Or you can say, hey, I'm more focused on my health and bettering me. Everything, you know, you can say whatever you want to say, but there's nothing wrong with setting a boundary either, a respectful one. So I think it's up to you and how much it really bothers you. I'm a firm advocate of setting boundaries, but that's also because my mother is who she is and she taught me how to do that very well. But I know that everyone's background is not the same. Um, so I'm good for setting a boundary and just being like, hey, I actually find that question kind of inappropriate. And if you really want to talk to me about that, we can talk about that one-on-one later. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes or sometimes you can meet their excitement. That is yeah. great advice, uh, Dark Sunshine. You know, I feel like some we've all been there. We were like, oh, stop asking me. But mm, sometimes yes. they get excited because they see your significant other, like mm. they see that this one is special. And I think that drives more of the energy, like, so when is it going to mm. happen? So sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know, your um, them seeing the goodness in your significant other may be prompting this question to take like skyrocket. And so sometimes the answer is simply, you know, I'm as excited as you are especially to be here with him in this moment. And I assure yeah, you when it is too. time to make the announcements, it'll be amazing. Oh, <laughs> that's great advice because what I was going to say is not that. But... Go ahead. Yes, right. say Different perspectives are great. Perspectives you really want to hear great. what I was going to say? It's going to be epic. Okay. It's it's not, it's nothing medical related. I'll just be like, I'll try to turn, reflect oh. and turn the question back on him. <laughs> Also, when did you have your kids? And oh, just turn the whole topic over okay, whole okay. other way. So this is different. Oh, if you, if yes. you, you want to choose violence, ask your Choose Dr. violence. <laughs> I mean, it's not choosing violence. It's just, you know, just saying, oh, so when did you do this? <laughs> try to she get them to, off of the she, topic so then it's not on you anymore. And it's about them. A lot of these aunties don't even have no kids and they're trying to live vicariously I know, through but you. Sometimes and it like you to have children for a selfish reason. So what made you come to your decision? Ooh, not that's violent. That's, that's, that's something. You know what? See, that's going. Yeah, that might that might be a little shaky. <laughs> but if you can ask me, why can't I ask you? <laughs> I, I'm trying to learn from you. Oh my god! I'm, I'm gonna go with the fact that if they're if they're all asking you, then they must see some potential yeah. in the the union to be. So because you know when you bring home somebody that ain't shit, right? Ask exactly. you when you gonna have kids. They probably right. Like, oh Lord, I hope she don't get pregnant by him. Ooh Jesus, I hope she don't get pregnant. That's true. That's but when true. they start asking you, especially when everybody's like, oh man, so when is the wedding? When are the babies? All this kind of stuff. I tend to take that as. I messed around and brought somebody really dope home, and uh, people that. are excited. That's a very that's a very so nice it confirms way of my at it. excitement. So you've had lots of different perspectives. We didn't. No, no. That's did you did point. you want to chime in? Oh, I, I just said <laughs> honestly. I I mean, I'm not sure, but you know, when I do find out, I'll let you know, <laughs> and then just leave it at that. Short and sweet. Oh, for them for them to say that, I'm not sure. When I find out, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's 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 sweet. That's sweet. I'm over here talking about boundary, bitch. No. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but again, that's why I was that's why I was like, how much does it bother you? Right. And I and I agree with Amy Joe. It depends on the tone of the asking. You know, if like if the yeah. tone of it is very much so like, oh, I'm here with this guy, he's very pleasant. My family likes him, he likes my family, they vibe, they're asking. Okay, I get that. It's good vibes. But sometimes this conversation happens when you're single. And not dating anyone. 
And they're like, where are the babies? And you're like, yeah. so yeah. is this about me? Is this about you wanting grandkids or grandnieces? What is this about? Because I told you I'm single. Why are you asking me about babies? What's happening? What's happening? So I think it depends on, yeah, I think it depends on where these questions like, are coming from. Just bring the baby. Just get the baby. I think like, these questions what? are coming from. So I think, you know, things oh to reflect God. on. You know, you didn't give me a name. Mystery. Mystery listener. I think this, it, you know, depends on where this question you got me back from. on my soapbox. Did you want to chime in on your soapbox? You gonna let it? You gonna you gonna leave it be? You gonna leave it be, Amy Jo? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gotta let it go. If it pops up, if it if it pops up in the end anyway, let me know. I'm gonna pivot to this next question. I'm gonna pivot to this next question. Go. Because it, but because that's what I was saying though. It's okay. It Just let it go. My, it's okay. It depends on the environment. It's okay. Because sometimes it can feel supportive, and sometimes it can feel very like, like in like you're interrogating me. So it depends on the vibe of your family. <laughs> mm. Exactly, and so somebody talked about. Eat. I know I couldn't help it. You, you know, we talk about these aunties <laughs> that don't have kids and all this kind of stuff. And what we discover is that they too maybe got married a little bit too late, and all these things they tried, and they didn't have access to the same kind of healthcare that we do as younger women, and so there was something you know that probably could have been easily fixed but they just didn't have kids for any reason so that's you know part of the thing is that they did not have good access to make sure that they got to have the kids the way they want to but my second thing and I've talked about this before is that what really bothers me when women of color are trying to navigate those questions or just about being single and children is that when we are trying to prepare women of color or when we're trying to convince them right the people around you to have children instead of directing them to say, why don't you find ways to preserve your fertility? We go about the business of correcting their behavior. Well, well, why don't you act right? So you can get a man, right? Well, why don't you do this? So you can find somebody and then all they got to do is knock you up with a few rounds of sex and you'll be pregnant. And then it's so, it's so easy. And so that puts pressure on people both ways, right? It puts pressure on the woman who said, okay, I did everything you told me to do. And now I'm married. I'm having sex. Why am I not having kids? It's because the behavior in itself doesn't guarantee children. And it also puts pressure on the single woman because instead of us kind of turning her focus to say, listen, he or she, depending on who you're partnering with, is going to come. And there will be in every relationship, there comes a time where you talk about kids, whether you decide to have them or not. And when that discussion comes up, how do I, the individual, prepare myself as best as I can to be ready to have the conversation to have children on my terms? We don't tell people to do that. We tell them, <laughs> get, your, get your mind right and get in the game and and stop being single and have these babies. And sure, do we want you to partner up? We do. I want people to be in relationships. I like black love or brown love or beige love or whatever love you got. But in the in the process of it, specifically because we're talking about children, if you know that you're still actively looking or actively trying to, you know, create the foundation of your relationship, your energy for babies is better spent on preserving than the relationship because that it doesn't is have true to, i also think that the people especially especially if you grew up like black and southern i also feel like as you get deeper into these generations i i think that children mean different things to different generations i feel like 
I feel like when you start going deeper into the generations to them, you know, a lot of them, especially ones that have had kids, they're like, oh my gosh, how could you even consider a life without possibly having kids? I'm like, because, you know, I don't need to have a child to complete me. You know what I mean? Like if I have a child, it's like, you know, it's because I choose to have a child and that's something I want to do. But I think that to some of the older generations, they kind of see it as like something that Mm -hmm. like, if you don't do it, it's almost taboo. So it's very, it's very... There's a difference here. There's a there's a there's a difference here. Yeah, but I also I also think I also think a lot of um people think of having children as like your legacy lives on. So it's all about mm-hmm. trying to have a legacy. And it's kind of like they kind of look at it as well if you don't have children then it's kind of like mm-hmm. what are you doing all of this for? Like who are you doing? Like you you get all this wealth and you get this house and you do this and then who are you going to pass it on to? Right? Like you do all these things because you have children and, and you pay it, you pay it forward to better the people passing things down. And I think that's what they write. And I think they look at it as like, then if you don't have children, it's kind of like that too. you don't have a legacy. So it stems from different sense. things, different backgrounds, yeah. whether you're black American, you. Caribbean, black African, listen, we all got families. We all got things. So yes. All right. Let me, yeah. and they all got questions and they all got feelings. <laughs> They all got questions. They got questions and they got feelings, especially those aunties. (laughs) Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. This next question, which is going to be our last question, says, hi there. I love the show. I was wondering if you guys plan on doing a show on autoimmune diseases. Um, Yeah. It says, if not, I have a question. Mm. How common Mm. are false positives for ANA titer blood test? I've been having ongoing symptoms for possible lupus for a few years now. And I finally thought I got my answer when the ANA titer came back positive. I retook the test a couple months later, though, and it came back negative. Thanks. Ooh. It gets into the question of like sensitivity and specificity, um, which is all biostats. But that may be, I don't know if that's like super high level for this podcast. Yeah. Well, well, I have thoughts, but... I know that it's a thing, but I don't know the specific, I, I don't have the specific answer that she is looking this. for. But as someone who has encountered this a lot of times, and I've had multiple consults with rheumatologists about my patients. So ANA is interesting. So first things first, I'm just going to keep it real plain and simple for you. Hopefully you have a very good relationship with your primary care doctor, because typically the way the test is run, if your doctor is thinking you might have lupus, if an ANA is positive, they're supposed to kind of trigger a lot of other tests that happen with that ANA. So if your ANA is positive, then you're going to have all these other tests that they run. You don't get to choose that. That just happens. And then hopefully you're supposed to follow up with your doctor and they're going to review these labs with you and they're going to tell you what it likely looks like. Now, in terms of the ANA in particular, there's a lot of different reasons why ANA can be positive. And then there's actually even a number there that tells you how positive it is. Because it can be weekly positive, it can be very positive. So there's a there's a wiggle room there, and then on top of that, there's a lot of different conditions and reasons why your ANA might be positive, and it doesn't always mean lupus. So this is why this should be a whole discussion with your primary care doctor. And there's also additional research coming out that shows that your weight and obesity can actually impact your ANA as well, and that makes your ANA fluctuate, whether that be lower levels of ANA or higher levels of ANA. So that plays a role in it as well. Ultimately, what should happen is usually we don't retest the ANA typically. So if they ran an ANA and they got a positive, 
They should have ran with that, interpreted the labs, referred you or not, made a decision. When you redo the ANA, there's a chance that it can be negative because, okay, also additional background. I know it's because I've had, very, I've been in the situation a lot of times. So your ANA can actually be positive in about 15% of people at baseline. 15% healthy adults, no symptoms whatsoever, can have a weekly positive ANA. So if you're talking to a specialist in autoimmune conditions, they will likely never hang their hat on the ANA. They want the other tests to also be run. And that gives them a better idea of what could be happening because a lot of things can sway that ANA. So what do I think you should do is, I think you should have an open and honest conversation with your primary care doctor. If they referred you to the rheumatologist, the rheumatologist should have run additional labs and it could clarify things a bit for you there. Yeah, and it's really hard to make these diagnoses because it's not only Correct. just about the labs, it's also about how you present clinically as well. And do you do you meet the criteria? Because there's certain criteria to meet for these autoimmune diseases and they're hard to meet. Like if you don't- Joint pain, facial rash, change of hair, like, change nope, of the, it's, it's, a, it's a long list. It. Even though we're like, but the labs, they're like, nope. They're like, nope, it's something else. Yeah. They say it's something else. And there's yes, a possibility that, that you well. can meet criteria. So even it's kind of, it, it kind of gets in, you know, there's a lot of labs like that in medicine that they're very sensitive and they pick up a lot of stuff. So even if your ANA is positive, that's not, that doesn't mean slam dunk. You have lupus, your primary care doctor or your specialist will usually run a confirmatory test or a more specific test for that diagnosis that they're testing for to say, okay, you have lupus because we ran this test this is how we're going to deal with it. And we go from there. So that's just, there's a lot of labs like that in medicine. So the ANA is not just that one test that kind of acts like that. So, you know, you're in good company knowing that, you know, you're not the only one. We see that a lot, um, but we do know how to deal with it. And, you know, we can move forward from that. So, And regarding having um, an episode on autoimmune conditions, that is definitely something we can think about. There's a lot of autoimmune conditions. There's a ton of them. And we are actually not rheumatologists. Mm -hmm. so we're not autoimmune specialists. So we might come across a few of them that might be our patients, but we don't come across all of them often. So that'll definitely be something that we can consider, especially things that are like really, really common and things that might like information that's pertinent for you guys. We'll definitely consider that for a possible episode. And I think we can stop at two questions because I'm looking at our time. I think we ride on, we ride on track. Cool. Chocolate kisses. Yes. yes. I saw her last time. That deep and sultry voice. Why are you trying to take, you trying to take my job? Why are you trying to take Chris's job? Come through, Dr. Chris. <laughs> Wait, do you transition, Dr. Chris? I know. I know. I know. Okay, guys. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for chocolate kisses. <laughs> Oh, oh, we should move this to after dark. Y'all not. We talked. We we talked about this before. We 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 can't do. We what can't do, do after dark. Getting all uh -uh. excited. Oh y'all y'all elsewhere. It is dark. It's dark outside. It's dark. <laughs> it's dark. Nope. I'm telling you. No no. Be and super hyped about this after dark too. Like she gonna sit there and not say whole energy that I got. Why is she gonna do? He's just gonna laugh. She gonna laugh. I will be thoroughly entertained along with the audience. So that is that is my only. Exactly. You gonna. <laughs> you're just gonna sit there and laugh at us no no, no you're not even gonna contribute nothing not she's gonna sit there and laugh that is not contribution 
<laughs> no. Right. 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 No, we don't have to air that. You you got bet you you got uh <laughs> you got access oh, to Lord that that information anyway. So we do not have to put that on the air to be like uh, mm, Oh my god. All right, so going for the holidays, <laughs> I guess my chocolate kiss. Um I feel like I said this already for Thanksgiving. So I got Thanksgiving or not Thanksgiving. I got Christmas off. So oh my chocolate kiss. So our family got a new puppy. Um Oh, his yay. name his name is Maximus. I named him after him, uh, but we call him Max for short. Uh, he's a little Doberman puppy. Um, he will offer some extra guard protection for my dad and my sister at home. But right now he's very rambunctious and does not know a squirrel from an intruder. So uh, we're just going to run with that. <laughs> um, but he's very cute. So my chocolate kiss goes out to Max, who I'm going <laughs> to see this weekend. So yeah. Oh, who's going to train him? not me i'm here so <laughs> uh probably we're gonna we're gonna enroll him in obedience class somewhere in michigan <laughs> um so we're still trying to find a trainer for him but yeah oh okay yeah. i didn't i didn't know if how much extra time your dad or your sister have on their hands i mean because you know they got you know i always see those books you know when you walk into barnes and noble there's a whole like pet training section there's like a whole pet section there's always these like how to train your german shepherd like how to train your blah 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 i don't know if you guys are gonna buy a book and get some treats and, and <laughs> no i mean what's nice God, godspeed <laughs> no, what's nice about dobermans is that they are super trainable so like he already picked up on sit and come within the first week of us having him so i training him is going to be like super easy um, it's oh, just yay. like little puppy things like house training and all that stuff we still gotta you know work out with him but i'm very excited he's um he's a, he's a real cutie so oh yay yeah. i have a chocolate kiss my chocolate kiss is easy my chocolate kiss is gonna go out to costco and i'm gonna tell you why so <laughs> <laughs> so we were it's been a couple weeks now we have actually <laughs> we haven't actually been together recording in a while so a couple weeks ago we were looking to get a Christmas tree and then um, my fiance's parents. So weird to say my fiance, my fiance's parents um, were basically like, why are you looking all over the city? You should go to Costco. <laughs> like Costco has a bunch of trees. You can get a big old tree for $30 flat. Like Costco, like literally they off the truck, $30, go get one. I'm like, what? Yes. Costco has Christmas trees. I had no idea. You know, when you go to the other places, they're like, oh, we start at $50 and it's extra $10 per foot or whatever they do at the other places. So we went to Costco. And then the problem was, is that we got to Costco and they have all the trees lined up, but they're not like out of the net. Like they're all wrapped up. And I'm like, how am I supposed to pick one? I can't see it. Like, what if I, what if I unwrap it and it looks all janky? And they're like, (laughs) They all, yeah, they all do look the same. And they're like, listen, but these they are all the same. trees from Costco. We don't unwrap them here. Like, you just got to pick one and go. It's $30. Pick one and go. I'm like, damn. So I picked the fluffiest one I could see because they won't let you unwrap them. Like, I'm like, this used to be like a <laughs> two, three hour thing with my family. Yeah. Like, picking the Christmas tree was like a thing. You've got to shake it out. You guys, everybody's like, uh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to. <laughs> anyway. So we pick one. We take it home. <laughs> and it's effing beautiful Aww. like it's like more beautiful than any tree i've ever actually picked on my own and I was like, yo whoever is like whoever is filtering these trees at costco yo i hope somebody gives you a bomb christmas gift because all these trees are dope because i called my other homegirl she's like yeah girl we got a costco tree too it looked nice it's all symmetrical <laughs> i'm like why is it what what listen it's a beautiful tree 
I didn't even have to go through all the hustle and bustle. Thirty dollars Costco. Y'all should do it yearly. This is not I have no idea. Now, so trees. They do. They do. Yo. So like the way you talk about this tree, <laughs> listen. I was get a tree, and they got the I'm dudes like, out there in case you don't bring your man with you. They're like, oh, y'all mm. need some help. I'm like, oh yeah, they can help you too. They got the gloves and everything that they'll. Oh, put they can help car. you too. That. Okay. So yes, I love my tree. It's beautiful. It's very nice. So chocolate kiss goes to Costco. I don't know. We'll see. Y'all doing a big holiday season. I have a chocolate kiss. My chocolate kiss goes to my assistant. Um, last week was mad hectic. And was it last week or was it this week? My weeks are blurring. Oh, it was this week. This week was super hectic. Like um, there was a some kind of IT like mistake and so what looked like a very light day was not light at all so we had like some some spaces in our schedule we're like why don't we have anybody scheduled let's call some people who have been like beating our door down like i gotta get in i gotta get in so we put those people on the schedule only for it to find out that day and not tell us to the next morning oh that actually was a mistake you had a full schedule so by the time i arrived that morning i was like double booked for the entire day yeah yeah it was a nightmare and um you know it's the end of the year people are not trying to hear like that they need to be rescheduled because there's only so many weeks left right and so for people who need like you know physical exams all kind of stuff either way it was just like mad crazy and you know messages and all this kind of stuff and uh, my assistant ran out and got me lunch. And so like, I came back like from a bathroom break and she was like, check your office. And I go in there and it's like one of my favorite meals. And so chocolate kisses. Um, That's super sweet. To to her because, you know, it was so sweet. She got you lunch so, and it's something that you it. eat. It was. I was like, oh man, you got what I really get. <laughs> yes. You love me. Right? You I really was like, you me. love me. <laughs> yeah, so it was good. You really love me. Yeah, for sure. That so. is, that's so funny that you said you got your chocolate kiss to your assistant because my chocolate kiss was going to be for my nurse. Um, yeah. Because, I I mean, it's been crazy. And the thing is, like, my nurse, she does these little things that sometimes I don't even notice, which is so bad. Like, today, like, she's like, oh, did you notice? I'm like, what? She's like, I changed your lab coat for you. I was like, oh. I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even notice. And and the thing was, it was so sweet because I did need to change it, right? Because, you know, they... I already know. Because y'all know. They know. I do need to change it. And I didn't even, like, think about it. And she just, like, I did it. And I just put everything back that was in it. And it was kind of like I didn't even know. Like, she had to tell me because I didn't know. Like, she does these little things that sometimes I don't really notice is messed up because I'm just in my I'm just in my head and trying to see these patients I'm not really paying attention but she does these little things like sometimes like I have a heater in my little office and it's cold and she like oh my god look at the she loves on me to get her a Christmas gift and I want to say at least a card at least a cute little card and a little memento. Maybe a little box of chocolates in the cart or something. Just be like, hey, Merry Christmas. You're dope. I know. I told her. She she loves me. Like, she does think. Like, if she goes to Chick-fil-A, she'll just Aww. bring me, like, a Sunday or something. Just randomly. 
just because. Aww. So, oh, I'm going to give my so chocolate kiss to my nurse. She really that loves on so me. That is so cute. No, no, do you want there to tell the people where to find us? Sure do. All right. So, check us out on our website at www.thechocolatemds.com. Uh, also, be sure to check out our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our handle is at thechocolatemds. And be sure to check back for updates on our upcoming episodes and also for our new drops. And yeah. All right, guys. It's been real. We'll catch you guys yes. next time. Much love. Stay safe. Happy holidays. Bye. Happy holidays. And a happy Bye, new guys. year. Bye. Happy holidays. I know. Happy, happy holidays. New year.